Let's turn together to the book of First Peter, chapter 1. What a great reminder from Cody and from that song that it's not about inviting His presence, it's about becoming aware of His nearness, His goodness, uh, His power, everything about Him. And, um, you know, many times we do, we feel like we have to ask Him to show up as if He's not already here in fullness. And so, uh, just a great reminder that it's really, we just have to get a clue. And uh, so thanks, uh, Cody and the rest of the guys, and me, I guess, since I play bass. Uh, thanks, me, for uh, that. Okay, so uh, first Sunday of the year, and I hope that you had a good week. Um, Our uh, college ministry normally goes to the Passion Conference uh, around this time every year, and we decided to not go this year. Uh, They're doing it at different different times, different whatevers, and so we decided that we would go camping together uh, on the coldest weekend possible. And so the first morning we woke up, in the tent, and uh, we, uh, like all our tents and stuff, and we looked, and it was 26 degrees, and um, then the next morning, it was 23 degrees, and then this morning, it was like 54 degrees, and so we were like, oh, well, we timed it a little wrong, but, you know, whatever, Um, but uh, we had a really good time, and we just have a, just God just continued to send us some phenomenal students, and it was great to be able to spend some time together. Um, So the first Sunday of the year, uh, you know, last week we did our uh, brag on Jesus night, which which went just so well. Um, just I joke with people about how like nervous I get every single year because you're just like, hey, here's the mic, come say whatever you want, you know. And so, so of course, a little anxiety is there. And so, uh, other than when Matt Iglesias came up at the at the very end, other than that, I was like, oh, good, you know. And he made me a little nervous, but he did, he did fine. Um, and so that was really good. And that podcast will go up, and I would encourage you to go. Listen to that if you weren't able to be here. Um, and you can look back uh, on those podcasts and see that really the first part of the year, uh, for the last, uh, if you look at every one of them, uh, more likely than not, I talk about holiness at the beginning of the year. Uh, some churches talk, you know, that January is like financial stewardship month because they're, you know, whatever. And uh, to me, you talk about holiness and it covers financial stewardship and it covers a lot of other things as well. And um, so we're going to talk about that tonight, and uh, I was um, just really asking the Lord uh, for, you know, just like, how do, you, how do we continue to learn and grow in these things and, and stuff like that? And so um, what I want to do tonight is, is just pass on to you something that uh, we have come to use a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, a few years ago, we were at uh, Crossings uh, Youth Camp in Kentucky with our teenagers, and it was one of the years that I got to go. And we were in the adult, uh, they do a Bible study for all the adult leaders and stuff. And uh, uh, my friend Rob Turner was the camp pastor, and he was doing this thing. And he did this deal with this baseball diamond, and it just made so much sense to me. And every now and then, you know, over the last uh, you know, 12 or 15 years as I've um, been involved in ministry of some sort, uh, you hear somebody do something and you're like, I'm totally stealing that. For the rest of my life. And this is one of those moments. I was like this is going to be something. For, for me or maybe for us. Corporately or whatever. Uh, so we've used this baseball diamond. Um, with, um, with our elders. With our staff. With our interns. With our uh, ministry team leaders. 
with uh, any, it's just become like a, a normal part of the vernacular in those times. Uh, we talk about running the bases in order. And we structure our meetings uh, this way a lot of the time, uh, just following this format. And in regard to holiness, I, I think that maybe this will be helpful, especially when the new year rolls over and we're all kind of uh, taking advantage of the blank canvas, you know, that sort of is a new year and stuff like that. So, um, so I'm going to try to move around the stage a little bit, a little bit, not too much, uh, to sort of help visualize some things. And so let's pretend that, that, that there's a baseball diamond in front of you. And um, so let's, let's treat this right here as like first base down here. All right? Is that right from your perspective? Okay? All right. And then up here will be second base, and then over there will be, will be third base. Um, when Rob did this, I don't know if, I know that Rob stole it, first of all. Uh, I don't know if he did this himself because he's a little, like, this is, would be a very Rob thing to do, or if the person he stole it from did this. But he, uh, but he came up with, with a word for each base, and the words all start with the letter C. So this will be brought to you by the letter C tonight. Uh, first base, uh, so if you're taking notes and you want to diagram this out, first base, uh, you can write the word character. Um, second base, you can write the word community. And third base, and this is how he's reaching on this one, uh, uh, competency. Character, community, competency. Uh, so, and this is what I mean by that. First base would be, this would be your character. This is your heart, your mind, your relationship with Jesus. All right? Community is obviously the relationships that God's given you. Competency, um, if you're in a leadership setting, let, let's say we're meeting with our community group leaders. Competency would be uh, all of the like logistical things that you would do as a community group leader. Um, it would be prepping for discussion. It would be follow-up on prayer requests, like the logistics of how that's going to go. It would be child care, you know, how we're going to cover child care, those kinds of things. Um, so that's why competency was like, uh, you're kind of reaching there, but it's okay. You have to have one that starts with C, I guess, for it to make sense. So, um, so that's how the baseball diamond works. And running the bases in order is something that we talk about a lot. Um, so in First Peter chapter 1, there's this text that I... It's like I have like a love-hate relationship with it. I love it so much, but then I kind of hate it because it just doesn't really uh, hold anything back. Um, if, we're, if we're talking like first base stuff, look at verse 13. So he starts off the letter and he's really talking about the, the hope that is Jesus and, and why and how much the future uh, impacts that and why that's significant and stuff like that. So... So if we're talking first base stuff, I'm going to kind of hang out in first base land for a minute. Um, look at verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay? So, uh, if, if we're talking about uh, stuff like for like first base in our lives, like this would be, this is where all of your relationship with Jesus stuff happens. This would be, like if you're in a community group, and the way that we do our, our time together uh, now, 
is this is the this would be the uh, the end portion, right? This would be the um, how like how, inwardly how are you? How is your inner life? How is your walk with the Lord? How's your heart? How's your mind? Um, is are you struggling? Uh, are you walking in great victory? Uh, is there's something going on at work that's Im- impacting you, like internally, those kinds of things? Or is there a family thing that's wrecking you? You know, like that, that kind of stuff. And then how are you praying about it? How are you taking it to the Lord? Uh, it's supposed to be very, very first person, very much, how are you and Jesus doing, in other words. Um, and, and so that's what this first base is, is about. And that's why it's the first base. It's the first one that you run to. It's... Uh, you know, that's one of the things when you start off a kid in t-ball, right? They hit the ball, they run to first base. Uh, and some t-ball leagues, even if they don't hit the ball, they still get to run to first base because that's just a victory. If they run in this direction, you're like, yes, it's a win, you know. Um, that's, that's the first one because it's the most important thing about us. It's the most important thing going on in our lives. What happens at first base is more important than your marriage. And it's more important than your kids, it's more important than your job. It's more important than anything else you could come up with. Nothing is greater than what's happening here as far as like what's going on in your life. All right. Now, um, if we look uh, again at verse 13, these are some of the things that should be happening at first base. Uh, preparing your minds for action. We prepare our minds for action here. Uh, it's with the Lord. It's that strategic uh, planning, you know, that goes on with Him, where where uh, you're doing some real heart work and some mind work, you know, and it's it's where He's been convicting you about uh, about greed or about you know being self-centered in your uh, in the way that you relate to people or just lack of forgiveness or you know, whatever it is. It's where that heart work goes on. And this is where you prepare your mind for action. This is where you, uh, you get uh, that, um, like when, uh, when Isaiah describes him as the wonderful counselor, uh, there's one commentator that takes that and he, he, he calls Jesus the magnificent strategist. You know, this is where that, that happens. And you prepare your mind for action. You don't accidentally stumble into holiness. Like it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And there isn't a shortcut to it either. Like this is... This is where you live. This is where abiding happens. And so preparing your mind for action means that you don't just kind of, uh, I don't know, lollygag, for the lack of a better word, although there may not be a better word. Uh, you don't lollygag your way through life. You, know? you strategically follow Jesus and learn to become just like him. Um, so that's, this is part of what happens here at first base, preparing your mind for action. Uh, next part, and being sober-minded. That's an, another way of, of saying that you are living in reality. Uh, you're, not, um, you're not falling into false ways of thinking. You're not getting caught up in the patterns of the world and the, just the kingdom of, you know, that we were born into here. You're sober-minded. You're learning to think like the kingdom of God. You're learning to see things as he created them to be and as he designed them to be. Um, you're not... Uh, buying into some of the sinful patterns that you know that promise pleasure, you know, promise joy, and promise all these things. You're you're sober minded. You're able to look at that. You're you're able to watch a commercial that's like um, like uh, I don't know. I'll, here's one that one that makes me mad is like Ancestry.com. 
You know, not because I hate ancestors. Uh, because there's this line, and it's like, find out who you really are. You know? It's like, no, that's, no. I, if you're sober-minded, you're like, no, that's not, that's not who I really am. It'd be awesome to know who my you know, great-great-great-great-grandmother was, but that doesn't define who I am. And, and that may sound a little bit ridiculous, but we need to get to the point where we spot all these, uh, all these false ways of thinking and these narratives that we've learned that are just lying to us constantly in commercials and TV and whatever. And so being sober-minded is where you get to where you're like, no, I know, I know that that, that, um, that action or that beverage or that person or that website or that whatever, I know that those things will not bring me true joy and pleasure because I'm sober-minded, like I, I get that. Um, that happens here at First Base. Jesus teaches you how to spot the ridiculousness of our world and live a sober-minded life. Um, so he says, all right, preparing your minds for action. I should just use the screen. What am I doing? Okay, that's much better. Thank you, Clint. Um, so preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, what happens here as well is our hope is set in the right place on the right person. Um, Peter has opened up the letter talking about something that we talk about a lot. It's like, hey, don't forget what the future looks like. Don't get so caught up in how, uh, how great or terrible today is um, and get so immersed in it that you have, that you have like, um, you can't see three feet in front of you, you know. Don't live in the moment so much that you're, you forget that uh, we win. And that Jesus has already won and everything's going to be fine. You know? um, so he's saying preparing your mind for action and being sober minded, you, you get to set your hope. You get to set your hope. Um, if you are not living at, in a, at first base with Jesus, it's real easy to set your hope on the wrong stuff on your spouse, on your kids, on who you're dating or who you're not dating, on what you're doing this weekend or what you did last weekend, on your really, really great days or your really, really embarrassing moments that you wish uh, had never happened. It's easy to set our hope on the wrong things when, like, first base life is not happening. Um, So this is where that happens. It's where our minds are prepared for action. It's where we learn to be sober-minded. And it's where we're constantly uh, setting our hope on Jesus present and Jesus, uh, what he's going to do in the future. Uh, the next verse, uh, verse 14, As obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Um, first base, this is where you continue to learn to be an obedient child. Uh, so, um, so Gabe and Kristen Jacobs had, had their baby, right? Their prayer is not for their newborn son to become the biggest brat that has ever like walked the face of the earth, you know, that's not what they're praying deeply. That's not their their great hopes for him. Don't involve being being like no like they want someone who will uh, who who will grow up and will trust them and trust them because they trust Jesus and will obey them because they're obeying Jesus. Someone that will will, will grow up to be an obedient child, not only to them but to their Heavenly Father as well. Uh, and that's what happens here at first base, is we learn to become obedient children. Not that we're perfect here, um, but this is where we're trained in that obedience. 
that's where it happens. Um, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. When you're here, you're able to look and you're able to say, okay, before I knew Jesus, these things made sense. Uh, This is how I looked at life. This is whatever. Um, When you live here, you're able to look at that and say, okay, that's not who I am. That's who I was. That's not who I am. Here at first base, Jesus is reminding you of who you really are all the time. And he's helping you and empowering your efforts to not conform to that old stuff anymore. Uh, and it happens slowly over time. And it's sometimes kind of hard to, to be able to like, really measure your progress. You know? um, and that's why what happens at second base is important as far as community goes. But here, this is where that, that formation is really happening. Um, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. The next verse, uh, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And in 16, uh, since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Uh, here's just a, an amazing thing that happens here. Uh, Jesus doesn't come to us and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shine you up. I'm going to make you better. Um, I'm going to clean you up, get you a new, new set of clothes, and you know, kind of doll you up, and then you're just going to have a better life. What happens here is he, uh, he restores us to the way we were made originally, which is in his image, and he is holy. And so he's bringing us back to that original place. He's bringing us back to, uh, to the Garden of Eden before sin came and messed everything up. Um, we're, our, we aren't called to be better you know, we're called to be holy. And so here, at first base, he makes you and makes me uh, who we were really made to be the whole time, which is just like him. And the call to holiness, a lot of times it seems really intimidating because, uh, because we don't really understand it. And we, we can't understand holiness completely, uh, I, I don't think. I think it'll always be, it'll always have an element of mystery to it. But um, here he is making us into essentially himself in a lot of ways. Uh, and he's making us holy. So what is holiness? If, that, if, if all this tonight is about pursuing holiness, then what is, so what is it? Um, things that are holy kind of have two, you kind of think of it as two, two things. They're, they're separate from everything else that's like it. And then they're devoted to very special purposes. Okay, So uh, let's take the, the Bible, the Holy Bible, uh, it says on the front. Um, the Holy Bible, it's separate from all the other books, right? Did y'all break the pew? <laughs> we're going to have to pay for that. Okay. Um, the Holy Bible, it's, it's holy, uh, it's separate from everything else, right? Um, so it can be sitting next to all these other books, but it's separate, it's, it's different. Um, and it's devoted to something that the other ones are not devoted to, Right? Uh, the Sabbath day, okay? Sabbath is, is separate from the other days, and it's devoted to things that the other days are not devoted to. Um, anything that you, that, like, in that sense, anything can be holy in that regard. If it's separate from everything like it, and it's devoted to something that the other ones are not devoted to, um, then that's what, what holy means. So when God says that he is holy, what is he separate from and what is he devoted to? Um, well, he's separate from everything. Everything that you can possibly think of. So he's separate from other gods that have been worshipped on the planet. 
he's separate from uh, creation. He's separate from you and from I. Like he's other. There's nothing like him. He's, uh, he cannot be put in the same category as anything else. He's separate. But one of the, one of the things, especially for tonight, that, that I want to zero in on for a second is that he's separate from sin. That he has not been impacted the sin, by sin the way that you and I have. So you and I, when, like because of sin, we get sick, we grow older, we will pass away. Um, we, are, we are under a curse that, that makes uh, work a lot of toil. It makes childbirth uh, incredibly painful. It, uh, it like, pins us against each other. Um, it produces greed and self-centeredness and war and then thereby poverty and uh, it, the caste system and like all these different things that you see all around the world. You look at what's happening in South Sudan right now. That's all because like, that's what sin has done. Um, God is separate from sin. Like he was no, he's not been impacted by it. Uh, his character does not, does not need redemption. There's no flaw in him that needs to be somehow repaired. Uh, nothing about that, about sin, impacted him but every part of us has been impacted. So he's separate in that sense. So here we are. We take love, for example. Um, we're, we're trying to learn about love from one another and uh, just going through life. But here, like, like as far as like love between humans, just, there's a lot of just weird stuff that gets like tangled in there, you know, um, because sin has impacted the way that we love one another. And so, for a lot of people, love, love is not a positive thing because people who have, quote-unquote, loved them actually brought a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, whatever. And so, uh, so when you say God is love and God loves you, a lot of times we, we lump all that stuff together. And so you're like, oh, so if God loves me the same, way, the same way that my dad loved me, then I don't want anything to do with him, you know? We equate those things. But God's love has never been impacted by sin. It's completely perfect. It's completely other. And so there's a purity that's there in every aspect of his character. Um, so he's separate from sin. And the second thing I said is that uh, for holy things, they're devoted to something very specific. And so what's God devoted to? Well, he's devoted to his own glory because he is God and he's devoted to that. Uh, he, he's devoted to all of his creation bringing him the glory that he deserves. And so you and I are created by him, and he is devoted to us bringing him glory. Like That's how he designed everything to function and everything to work. Um, so uh, the reason I brought the camping trip a few minutes ago is that we are, we're out in the woods for a couple of days, and we, we camped, and then we hiked at Tunica Hills, and we hiked in Mississippi, and we did all this. So we were outside a ton, um, and... We're in the middle of nature, which has been impacted by sin, yes, but by and large, it's doing what it was designed to do. That all these trees are there, and they're glorifying God just like he designed them to do. And we're sitting outside at night, and you can see billions of stars because there's no light pollution, because we're in the middle of nowhere, and the sky is doing what it was designed to do. And here we are, we're breathing in all this oxygen, and we're connecting with nature, and we're connecting with each other, and there's a purity that's there. Um, and all those things together, there's a holiness that comes about. God's separate from sin. He's devoted to his own 
glory through his creation. Um, that's what holiness is. So here, at first base, you have this God who's not been impacted by sin, and who's completely devoted to his glory, and he looks at our pitiful lives and says, you know what, I love you so much that I will die to buy you back and redeem you and heal you and restore you, and I will, for the rest of your earthly life, uh, I will meet you in every moment of every single day in complete fullness and power, and I will continue to heal you and restore you and make you more and more and more like you so that you can be holy because I am holy and we are one. Let's do this. Let's hang out at first base. That's what is going on here. He's helping us live lives separate from sin and devoted to his glory. Lives of holiness. And so we pursue that by preparing our minds for action, by being sober-minded and setting our hope fully on Jesus uh, and what is, is coming through him. And as obedient children, we're not conforming to all that other stuff because we are pursuing the holiness that Jesus has for us. And so how do we do that? Well, we abide. I mean, that's, a, that's another word that comes up a lot here at the ring. Jesus uses the word abide to describe our relationship with him. We're like a branch and the trunk of a tree. We're, like, we're intertwined and his life is flowing into us, producing fruit. And he's like, you need me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. On these hikes through all these woods, we saw tons of dead branches laying on the ground because they're not attached to the trunk of the tree anymore. That's why they're dead. He's like, you, apart from me, you're a dead branch laying on the ground. But connected to me, your life is going to produce fruit. Your life is going to be full of life and goodness. And that's what happens here. And so how do you abide? Well, you pray. And you get into the Word together. And you walk in community, which is coming in just a second. But, but those things happen here, and we trust, and we obey Him, and we learn to live lives separate from sin and devoted to His glory. And that all happens here. And there's a reason why it's first base, because nothing, nothing that happens around the base path here, nothing, none of that stuff happens is, is more important than what happens here. So that's the first base. So you want to pursue holiness? Then, like, especially, like, if, if you're in a place of, like, New Year, uh, I want to kind of, like, you know, I don't know, get my, like, stuff together. This is where that happens. This is where that happens. Um, so if you want to, I don't know, if that's what, you're, what this week is about for you, you've been trying to figure out what you want 2014 to look like, and this, this has to be a part of it. It can't just be about what happens in the other places. This is primary, okay? So from here, let's, so the T-ball kid hits the ball, runs to first, Let's say, that, let's say that the third baseman is awful, because um, there are awesome third basemen at the T-ball level, I guess. But, uh, so you go to second base. Second base, um, as I said a minute ago, stands for community. Uh, go to Philippians chapter 2. So if, if you and I are... If we're spending our lives investing in first base stuff, doing the, the heart and mind, soul care kind of work, uh, what happens at second base is impacted greatly. Um, so second base, seems the word that Rob used was community. So this would be all the, all the relationships that God has given you. All right? Um, this is 
this is your spouse, this is like your kids, your best friends, your roommates, uh, the people that you work with, your neighbors that you live around, the people in your community group, the people in the, in the church family that you're a part of here. Uh, every, every relationship that, that God has given you. And you know the difference. You know, like there are, I don't know, there are people that you just kind of like, you're just kind of acquaintances or whatever. You're, you're Facebook friends or whatever, but you don't, you don't really know who they are at all. You just accepted it because you like a high number of friends on Facebook. Um, man, it's just me. But, um, but the relationships that God's given you, the people that you really live in community with, uh, so what happens, what happens here in regard to holiness? Well, um, we, learn, we learn what holiness is over here at first base. And we apply that in how we interact with the Lord and love the Lord and He loves us. And we're, we're walking out the 23rd Psalm. And then that carries into these relationships, these close people that God has given you. And so uh, pursuing holiness at this in this phase right here, at, at second base, it means that you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, in our, in our relationships, like how do we have a holy marriage? How do we parent uh, in holy ways? How do I walk in holiness with my roommates or my best friends or you know, those kinds of things? Whatever, whatever context fits the best for you. And so the question that you, you ask yourself is, is you go back to those two things, right? Um, God's separate and devoted. Uh, holy means separate, devoted. God is separate from a, a, a lot of things, but the ones for tonight really are separate from sin, devoted to His glory. I think you come here and I think you, you spend time really thinking about those two things in regard to how you interact with each other. Okay? So let's take, let's take a husband and wife as a, just as, as an example. You look at that relationship and you say, okay, how has sin impacted the way that we relate to each other? It's like, all right, well, maybe it's made, maybe it's, it's brought about selfishness and pride. Maybe uh, sin has led to, like, uh, the keeping of secrets at times. Maybe it's led to some fear of really being open and honest. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's some of those negative things uh, that, are, that are in there. And so you identify what they are. And you begin to say, okay, well, what would living separate from sin look like? You know? So let's say there's a problem in that relationship. You're like, okay, sin, sin is at the root of this problem between us. What would being separate from sin look like in this? So if, if the problem between the, the husband and wife is, um, is like, well, like we're, just, we're really afraid of, like, of being honest about some things. Some ways we're unhappy, some ways that, that communication is just really, like, over the years worn us down, that kind of stuff. If sin has led to those things, then, um, and Jesus has come in and saved you and healed you and redeemed you, then he's given you access to this kingdom where you can live separate from that. And so then it comes down to really, like, manning up and living that out and saying, okay, sin has, sin has led us to not be honest with each other. You cut that away, and what does kingdom life look like? It's totally safe for us to tell each other the truth. We can, we can have an, an open, honest dialogue about some of these things that we're struggling with. And it's completely safe because there's no risk inside the kingdom. There's no danger. There's no threat. That when you have, when you have two adopted sons of the king, 
You have these, that's really what it comes down to. You have a son and a daughter adopted by Christ, new identity, new everything. There's complete safety there. So why, why, would, you, why would you hold back in being honest? So that's what you do. That's how you pursue holiness in, in regard to that. You identify how has sin messed us up? And how has Jesus provided a way to, to us to live separate from that? And so you start to identify those things. And you devote that relationship to the glory of God. So you look at your marriage, or you look at, at how you parent, or you look at your close friends and that kind of stuff, and you're like, man, sin has, has like really created a lot of strife between us. But Jesus has come to free us from that strife, so let's, let's start to attack it, and let's be honest. Let's be open. Let's pray together. Let's walk through some scripture together. Let's continue to try to live out certain things. Um, in, in Philippians 2, before you get to the Christ hymn, uh, you have verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Hasn't sin brought in uh, this like competitive, I'm kind of better than you, or I'm like being like um, obsessed with like your own perspective and you kind of getting your own way and that kind of stuff. And here's, here's Paul saying, hey, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. Sin has brought in selfish ambition and conceit. He's saying do nothing from those things. So you, you just carve that out of your life. Um, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's walking in holiness when two friends are going through life and they're both considering the other one to be more significant than them. When a husband is considering his wife to be of more significance than him. When a wife is doing that for a husband. When you have a group of friends, when you have a community group that is sitting in a circle on you know, a Tuesday night or whatever and everybody in there is not is not in a position of saying I'm the center of the universe. They're saying like I want to know what's going on with all these people's lives because I I care about them. And it's not a matter of saying I'm insignificant. It's saying no no no, like these other people are so valuable and so important to me. Um, verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Sin has, has brought into all these relationships at, here at Second Base the tendency to kind of look out for ourselves first and then other people. And the kingdom comes, Jesus comes, brings the kingdom, sets that right side up. And so it completely changes the way that our marriages look. And it completely changes the way that we parent. It changes the way that our friends uh, interact with each other. It changes the way we talk to each other. It changes the way we, uh, we, we choose to uh, interact in, in every possible way. It changes the tone. It changes the spirit of our relationships. It changes all these things when we're putting, putting someone else ahead of yourself. You're considering uh, not, not only your own interests, but also the interests of other people. When we're living that life that is, that's Jesus first, and it's other people second, um, and then we're somewhere else, you know, like that... That's a radical life. But that can't happen here unless we're learning about holiness and we're growing and we're morphing and changing and we're becoming more Christ-like here at first base. So, all your relationships are here. Your relationship with Jesus is there. And then over here, at third base, 
This is like all the stuff that you have to do. Right? This is like, this is work. Right? Gotta go to work. This is, you gotta buy groceries at some point. Um, This is uh, bouncing your checkbook. This is setting up your budget. You know? There's all the stuff, this is just the stuff you have to do. This is where you coach soccer uh, for your kid. This is where you like make sure that your kid gets to all the different things that they're going to end up doing or whatever. And this is where you structure your life. This is where you, you budget your time. This is where stewardship comes in. This is all the to-do list stuff is over here. Um, and then you don't need to turn to it. Clint will put up, will put up on the screen. In Colossians 3, uh, verse 17, it kind of gives a great summary for, for this. Uh, whatever you do in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he kind of covers it three times, right? Whatever you do, words, deeds, that's very encompassing. Do everything. So kind of three times he's like, everything, everything, everything needs to be done in the name of Jesus Christ, which just means in the character of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything that happens here at third base should be Christ-like. So how you set up your to-do list, how you organize your life, how you structure your budget, um, how you manage your time and your resources and your possessions, and all the things that happen here should be done in the name of, of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus in a way that's like displaying thanksgiving to God. It's just all a stewardship thing. So how do you know what that's supposed to look like here if you haven't spent time over there learning what the name of doing something in the name of Jesus looks like and sounds like and feels like and whatever? Um, so logic would be you live your life running these bases in order. Your priority, I'm not going to run them, but uh, your priority is here. The majority of your time is spent here, um, but this makes you a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better friend, a better neighbor, a better coworker, a better person, a better everything. And then it allows you to structure your life in such a way that puts Jesus ahead of everything and people uh, right behind him. And so here is done in light of all those other things. Now, in T-ball, it's like super cute, right, when the kid hits the ball and runs to third base. You know, it's just adorable. There comes a point... When it stops being adorable, all right? If your 17-year-old son hits the ball and runs the third, you need to have a talk with him, all right? It stops being cute at some point. But here's, here's the problem with us as humans. We tend to, New Year rolls around, blank canvas, ready to make some changes. We run right over to third, like a t-ball kid. And we're like, okay, so... Uh, I'm going to change my budget like this, and I'm going to, our time management is going to look like this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. We run right to here. And just like that T-ball kid, we're actually, we're the grown-up kid, aren't we? It's not adorable anymore. It doesn't make any sense. And it's wrong. Like, it's, it goes completely against how God has designed the world. We tend to run right here. We spend, tend to spend so much time here, or we spend time here uh, because like, there can be a lot of demands here. There's a ton of demands over here because here's where this is like your boss 
you know, like you have to like, you know, keep, keep money coming in so you can pay the bills and put food on the table and that kind of stuff. And the things you have to do, this is where the clock ticks, you know, and the calendar is turning and the demands are. And there's also a lot of demands here. I mean, if you're a parent, there's like some significant uh, expectations and demands that are put on you here. And, and they're, I'm not saying that that's bad. I think that's incredible that you have kids who are reliant upon you and they're needing you not only for provision, but for guidance and discipleship. And there's so much here that's so important uh, that's happening that for the most part, we as people, we spend a lot of time here and then a lot of time here and a lot of time here. And we're running back and forth between second and third all the time. And we're exhausted and tired. And the reason we're exhausted and tired is because that's not how you play baseball. You know? like we're, we're doing things incorrectly when we're ignoring him. Because from him, this is where the power and uh, the strategy and like, everything that we need. So he empowers our efforts and all the relationships we have. And then we get over here and you're like, man, I'm going to structure my life in light of what's happening at those other two bases. I'm going to structure my budget in light of what's happening in those other two bases. I'm going to like, look at my possessions and the, where I live and the things that I have. Everything that's happening here is in view of first base and in view of second base. This is not primary. This is not primary. It's, it's shaped and molded by Jesus himself over here. And so a pursuit of holiness looks like running the bases in order. That's, that's, that's what it looks like. You run the bases in order. And sometimes third base coach is waving you in. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not running right to you. I'm running right to Jesus. I'll, I'll get to that eventually. This is primary importance. And this is important because it's important to him. And this is important because what happens there helps me structure this other side so much. And so maybe what you need in a pursuit of holiness, like maybe you've been neglecting first base over here. Maybe you've been running to third base or back and forth or whatever. Um, I don't really know because we're all different. We're all in different places. But I know that thinking about it in these terms for me is, is a lot of times very helpful because I'm like, oh, man, why, why are things so weird? Why, why are things kind of dry right now? Like, I don't really understand. I'm frustrated. and I'm, It's like, oh, yeah, it's because I've been just hanging out over here. I've been trying to get the list done because uh, the clock is ticking and Sunday's coming. And, you know, I've got I to get these things done. And then there are people who need, who need you know, pastoring or, you know, like, whatever. And, and it's so easy to neglect over there. And so in times when I'm exhausted or tired or I'm uh, just like, man, things just aren't, there's not, something ain't right. So I do as I go over here to first base, and I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? And he's like, well, you're a grown man. acting like a t-ball player. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And he doesn't yell at me, and he doesn't beat me up, and he doesn't, he's not disappointed or whatever. And he's like, you know how to run the bases, right? Like, yeah, I do. He's like, all right, let's do it. You're back on it, you know. He's not like some like like coach who's like, okay, well, now that you know what you did wrong, you know, go run a mile. <laughs> You're gonna run till you throw up, and then you'll learn your lesson. And he's like, no, just stay here, stay here with me. 
And so I don't know if this is helpful for you, but I hope that it is, and I hope that, that, that you're looking at the new year at, with, with opportunity, you know, because um, it is. It's, there's just something about turnover like that. It's good. Uh, I, just, I hope that we're, we're making <clears throat> new commitments and uh, that we're pursuing the right things in the right ways. Because uh, Jesus is not Jesus has not called us to live a life of of, uh, of balance. You know, it's not about balancing these three things. It's about order. And when you run it in order, that's what Jesus did. Jesus ran the bases in order. He wasn't balanced. He was very very heavy over here. He wasn't balanced. He was ordered. And so that's what holiness is, as we pursue it in some organized ways. Let's, uh, let's stand together. I don't know where, where it lands with you. Um, but you probably do. I know where it lands with me. Uh, I know the, the things that 2013 kind of brought my way. And um, I know what I hope the next year looks like. I know, you know, I'm in the... I'm in the we're all in the boat together, you know. And so I want to pray for us. So we're going to sing a little bit in response. Um, so let me pray for us. Jesus, I'm grateful that you're not uh, that you're not this frustrated, uh, irritated God who's constantly rolling your eyes at us and throwing your hands in the air and whatever. Thankful for your patience and your goodness, and the fact that you haven't been impacted by sin in ways that would frustrate and irritate you. But you're holy and pure, and your love for us uh, is is literally eternal and doesn't have boundaries or limits or conditions. God, our desire is to be obedient children. We don't want to be brats. We don't want to be obsessed with stupid things. We want to grow in godliness and walk in the holiness that you have uh, died to obtain for us and, and make real to us. But we know that, it, that you've called us to action and to put forth the effort. We are grateful, God, that you empower those efforts, but... It's a, we're working in tandem here, and so um, I pray that as we um, continue to, to pursue you, God, just that you would give us a vision for what could be, maybe use something simple like this baseball diamond thing to encourage and spur on, uh, to help us see that holiness is not something to be intimidated by. We should be enthralled by it. Um, we should be driven uh, just the beauty of what you have set up for us and how you have, um, that you live inside of us to empower every step of, of life. And let's help us to really um, to prepare our minds for action in ways that are real and tangible. And, um, we look forward to the things you're, you're going to do in the coming year in view of all that you've done uh, throughout history and, and in our own lives. And as we sing, I pray you'd help, help us just keep hitting that reset button.